Hello, everybody. It's your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking New York football with my co-host, Mark Healy, and our guest, the King Scott Engel. Scott works as a writer for The Athletic covering fantasy sports. He's a member of the Fantasy Sports Writers Hall of Fame, and he's featured on Rotorballer, Sportsline.com, and SiriusXM's Fantasy Sports Radio. How are you doing today, Scott? Good. Don't forget Seahawks.com, even though I, this is not a New York show. <laughs> I mean, this is, an, even though this is a New York show. So, I mean, football season is back. How exciting is that? It is, you know, we saw a lot of you know, unknown players break out in week one uh, for the Jets. Corey Davis, you know, looking like a good acquisition for them and for those who drafted them in fantasy football. Uh, for the Giants, uh, Sterling Shepard showed that he continues to be the most dependable guy for, for Daniel Jones. We didn't see Saquon Barkley get out of the gates like a lot of people wanted Giants wise and fantasy wise, but uh, you know, the Giants offensive line was facing a tough defensive line in Denver, and that the matchup gets even tougher this week against Washington. You know, Scott, I've always been, um, I don't want to say an apologist, uh, because I don't think he, I think he's a good football, a good football guy, but you know, I've always been a defender of, of Gettleman. You know, I felt that. Uh, giant fans were unfair uh, in their criticisms of him. Uh, I thought that, you know, maybe it was a reach to uh, draft Saquon Barkley at number two. Maybe it was a, a reach to draft Daniel Jones at number six. But I like what I've seen of both players. Uh, I think that, however, um, that offensive line play, um, you know, not just for Daniel Jones, but also for Eli Manning in the last four or five years of his career, the, the lack of attention, the lack of um, building that offensive line is so egregious. And so, uh, you know, I can't say enough about how poorly everybody wants to blame Jason Garrett, Scott. And, you know, I'm not saying that he, J that Jason Garrett's above criticism, but I don't care who your offensive coordinator is. I don't care who your quarterback is. If you don't have a strong offensive line that can give the quarterback some time to maneuver, you know, I, I just don't see, you know, anybody improving under those conditions. What do you think about that? I think it's shared blame. Uh, I think Barkley was a good pick. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy with Daniel Jones. I disagree with you. You know, he doesn't look like he's anything special. And he's still prone to turnovers. You know, it wasn't Jason Garrett who lost that fumble when they would, they were actually on the way back getting in the game. And then he, he, another turnover for Daniel Jones. And he really doesn't challenge defenses, but that's also partly on the front office. And you see that with the Jets too, is that there really aren't that many playmakers in the offense. You know, Kenny Galladay, caught 11 touchdown passes two years ago with two backup quarterbacks, but he's been out the whole preseason with a hamstring injury. You know, there's no opportunity to establish chemistry with Daniel Jones. Sterling Shepard's still reliable. You know, Darius Slayton is a bomb downfield post fly fatter receiver. They don't really have a good receiving tight end. Evan Ingram was out and he's been overrated since his rookie year. Uh, the line's part of the problem. Daniel Jones not being able to do anything dynamic against defenses other than run is part of it too. I think the play calling is there. I think the offensive line there, you know, Mark, it's, 
it's a team sport. There, there's a lot of reasons, you know, why the Giants look bad and why their defense spent so much time on the field and they gave up the long run to Melvin Gordon because they were gassed. I'm 50-50 on if we just saw Daniel. I'm, I think, more leaning more towards we did that we just saw Daniel Jones's last first game of the season with the Giants. It's yeah. It was such a big make-or-break year to start it off how he's been playing. It was just like a punch in the face. It's like we everyone is expecting you to step up and finally show you're maturing as a quarterback. And then he does the same thing, and he just fumbles, fumbles, pretty much fumbles the game away. And it wasn't even like he has the excuse of, oh, it was a blindside hit. He couldn't see the guy coming. Oh, it was the offensive line. Like, that was his fault. He went right into two guys who were way bigger than him and without holding the ball in a spot where he could actually get down and not fumble the ball and fumble a big drive away. I mean – if you are going to throw these expectations on a guy and then he's going to go out and just not produce, they scored in that first, that throw to Sterling Shepard did look nice, but to look flat the whole rest of the game after that, that's supposed to give you momentum. That's supposed to bring drives together and start scoring points and start wearing this defense down. But the defense got better as the game went on and that offensive line looked worse. So, with this all being said, is Daniel Jones playing his way out of New York right now? And with a loss this week, do you think it could happen before the season ends? I think what can happen before the season ends? A Daniel Jones move, whether he's traded or they go and get someone else. All right, a few things here. Number one, you hardly ever see that during the season. If an NFL team is going to move away from a quarterback, they'll probably – stick the season with him because they don't have anything better at backup or, and then be done. You know, you're not going to see Daniel Jones. I'm not saying it's totally impossible, but highly unlikely that they'll make an in-season move. And quarterback is such a thin position in the NFL in terms of trying to acquire a quality starter. That's why you see so many go early in the first round of the NFL draft. You know, there are probably 14, 15 quarterbacks, maybe 16 in the NFL that teams feel like they can confidently count on. If they got rid of Daniel Jones, who are they going to put there? It's it's not like Miami's going to trade them to Kobe Brissett because teams want to have a good backup in case their starters get injured. So I, I don't think there's going to be a move. Uh, the 42-yard pass early, would, to your point, though, to hit a 42-yarder early to Darius Slayton, and they couldn't capitalize much on that either. So – Daniel Jones doesn't do anything special to me. He's not dynamic whatsoever, except for as a runner. And I, I guess, you know, Mark go way back with me to like the eighties. It kind of reminds me of Cliff Stout of the Pittsburgh Steelers for those who are listening and yes. go back that, go back that far. Yeah. You know, he, he would run for more yards than he passed, but for the defense, I don't think the defense necessarily got better and the game wore on. They couldn't get off the field on third downs. And when your defense spends all that time on the field, that's what's going to happen. From a fantasy perspective, I like the Giants' defense in week one, but they spent too much time in, in, on the field. 
You know, and it's funny, uh, you know, just going back, look, we're going to agree to disagree on, on, on Daniel Jones. And I, I don't disagree with you on, on the, on the turnover. Uh, but I, you know, I think when you don't get any reps in the preseason, uh, or at least a very limited amount of reps, you, know, you still is a young quarterback. I'm still, I don't know. I'm still hopeful that he's going to be a good player. Uh, I want to go back to the offensive line, you know, um, I don't understand how either team in New York um, has been so – I don't care what kind of skill players you have. If you don't have a good offensive line that has balance, that can run block, that can pass block, it's almost, you know, it's almost impossible to have a balanced offensive attack. You know, uh, even if Saquon Barkley was 100% healthy, I mean, you know, going into tomorrow night's game uh, against the, the football team, you know, for me, I hate saying that. Oh, my God, I hate saying it so much. Oh, I can't wait for them to come up with a name. Um, but going into tomorrow night's game, if they go 0-2 and, and lose that divisional game, Scott, I, I think the Giants, you, you can – you can, I mean, you could fire Gettleman now. I mean, because they're, they're not going to get any better uh, over the course of the season. Their, their schedule is killer. Um, how important is this game, in your opinion, tomorrow night? Uh, for the Giants and if they do go 0-2 do you agree that their season could be over okay I'll just say two things yes we will agree to disagree Joe Burrow was coming back from a major knee injury hardly had any preseason reps and looked very good uh, in, in his in his first game of the year Justin Herbert I don't think he played much in the preseason he threw for over 300 yards so I I think Jones is what he is at this point until we see some actual improvements. Uh, you know, as far as far as panicking after 0-2, I think externally the fan base will. I think internally they probably won't because it's a 17-game season. And you saw the Giants last year started 0-5 and then they played much better. So I always tell people in fantasy football, and it's true in real life, you can't overreact after one game. And I don't think you can over two. If they start 0-4, then I'd be panicking a little bit more. I think they really do need a win. But uh, And you're right about the offensive line because they couldn't establish a running game whatsoever. You know, I saw Saquon Barkley do an early juke, and I'm like, we looked pretty good. But there were just no holes. The, the Broncos defenders were in the backfield. If you think they're not going to have anywhere to go against the Broncos, I mean, the football team's got one of the best front seven. They could have the best front seven in football other than the Steelers. So they do have the best front seven in football, best defensive line in football. It's, and if you anywhere, if they're not going anywhere against the Broncos, where do you think they're going against the football team? And Daniel Jones is going to be running for his life. He needs to establish some type of run game, not only to get that pass rush off his back, but Saquon Barkley is the best player on that offense. When he isn't cap, and when he isn't having a great game, and he isn't capitalizing off of their offense, and he's not the main point of their offense, they're not going to be winning games, especially against a great defense. Well, you make a good point that he's going to be running for his life. That's where it comes back to Garrett. It's about play design. Uh, you know, when a team is is constantly bringing the heat, you have to do something in order to, you know, stave off the aggressiveness, whether that be bubble screens or quick hits or, uh, 
Why not get Saquon Barkley in space? You know, why not throw him swing passes out of the backfield? I didn't see any of this again against Denver. Mm-hmm. And they don't, the Washington, they, their quarterback just went down. So if they don't establish and if they don't win the trenches, they don't establish the run game, they don't establish their offensive line and their defensive line, they're going to lose this game. They should, they should have no excuses of losing this game based on, oh, we couldn't run the ball. Oh, like, yes, they're, they aren't as good, but they still have NFL talent players. How many weeks have, how many teams have we seen that, oh, they don't have, they don't have the personnel and they still go out and play a good game? They still go out and at least enforce enough of a run game where, oh, we, I could get 60, 70 yards and that'll open up my passing game. We haven't seen that from the Giants in I don't know how long. Uh, 60, 70 yards for Saquon Barkley would have gone so far in that Broncos game. He just had no room to run. If he doesn't have any room to run, I don't see them winning this game. What do well, you think? it was like Mark said, you know, it's the offensive line. They were, they were dominated on the interior. And it's like I just said, if you're not opening up the running game, find other high percentage ways to move the ball. You know, get Saquon Barkley the ball in the passing game. You know, they tried that a, a few times. It didn't work. But, you know, throw throw some of your faster receivers like Darius Slayton, a bubble screen, et cetera. So right now it's you can't have a lot of confidence. I know Washington lost their quarterback, but so far Taylor Heineke hasn't looked like a bad backup. He gave the, he gave the Buccaneers a scare in the wild card game last year and completed 11 of 15 passes in relief for Fitzpatrick. And I think Ron Rivera has some confidence in him. So I don't think we could look at Washington as a pushover opponent just because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not starting. You know, I like Taylor Heineke. I think he's a pretty solid quarterback. And, you know, in in my season preview that I did for Gotham Gridiron uh, in in my column uh, in the wave, uh, I I, I am not a – I like Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a fun guy to root for when your team is terrible. But, you know, to me, Fitzmagic is uh, fleeting. You know, and uh, he's never led a team to the playoffs. He's and, good enough to lose with. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, yeah, you know, playoffs. It was fun. I, I mean, it was fun. he's never played in the playoffs. He's never led a team oh. to the playoffs. You know, and and that, and that is, you know, he had that opportunity with the Jets and laid a huge egg against Buffalo when Buffalo wasn't particularly good. And um, and again, I liked the guy, and he was fun to watch that year, but. You know, Taylor Heineke is might be a better quarterback, at least for this team that doesn't expect the quarterback to really do much. So, um, you know, that kind of speaks to what I was saying before yeah. though, about how thin quarterback is in the NFL. Oh, there's no question. There's no question too. And 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 here's the other thing too, Scott. Uh, you know, as somebody who loved Mike Mike Vick when he played for the Falcons, and who was a huge, you know, fan of you know, guys who could run and throw. Uh, I don't particularly want, I know everybody wants a quarterback now that's a hybrid that can run and throw. I just, I look at Cam Newton and he is just a broken man. And, you know, he's never been the same since the Super Bowl. And he got such a beating in that game. He's never been the same since. And I think that, you know, when you look at what happened with Kansas City in the Super Bowl, if you don't have a great offensive line, I don't care how mobile your quarterback is, you know, uh, it's just so difficult to keep these guys upright. And then when you invite 
the contact. I know there are some guys that can physically take it, but I, 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 I mean, I, I mean, Cam Newton is as tremendous a physical specimen I've ever seen play the play the quarterback position, and I just don't think it's. I, I, I don't know. How do you feel? I mean, I know you love these guys for fantasy points, but I mean, just from a football standpoint, I mean, Russell Wilson is is, is probably you know with your with your Seahawks that you cover. Russell Wilson's probably the one guy uh, that this doesn't factor in because he's just so good at, you know, evading tackles. But how do you feel about that? I mean, do you think that that we will see more of the drop back quarterback uh, moving forward and that, you know, what's old is new again? Or do you think that teams will continue to go hybrid? I think teams will continue to go hybrid. But to your point, how much do you go hybrid? Because a lot of the good quarterbacks aren't necessarily big runners, but they're mobile. You know, you don't want a complete statue back there. You know, I don't know how many more Mac Joneses you're going to see. Look at Zach Wilson coming out, et cetera. Even Tua is a little bit mobile. Aaron Rodgers is a little bit mobile. Patrick Mahomes isn't a huge runner, but he can escape. He can – What? it's it's more than just being able to run. You know, Cam Newton was more of a pure runner than he was a, a good passer. So it's a little more extreme an example. Do you, Lamar Jackson has to improve as a passer. But when you have guys like Wilson, Rodgers, Mahomes, et cetera, uh, even Ryan Tannehill, those guys are mobile enough to keep their feet moving in the pocket or also when a play breaks down to, you know, gain a few yards. You know, Daniel Jones has the running down. He doesn't have the passing down. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing both. Uh, I think you're going to see less of the Matthew Stafford Staffords and the Tom Brady's, these guys don't have to take off and, you know, be huge runners like Lamar Jackson. But, you know, Kyla Murray is so interesting because if he improves as a passer, he's just going to be so dangerous. And it points to where the league is headed because when Kyla Murray was drafted, they said, we want him to become the next Russell Wilson because Russell Wilson is, is a guy, like you said, and I remember talking to Larry Fitzgerald when Wilson first came up and he, he said, he said, there, there are quarterbacks who are runners, but he's, he's a great passer who happens to run. And I think that's what teams are going to look for. Patrick Mahomes is a great passer first and foremost, but he also has a mobility. I think we've kind of evolved to that sort of thing, you know, where, where your quarterback doesn't have to, rush for a thousand yards like Lamar Jackson, but he should also be mobile and have some escapability. And it's all about just the athleticism of the NFL is at an all time high. Like you just didn't have these athletes walking around in the sixties and seventies. You didn't, your quarterback wasn't the best athlete on the field. He just wasn't, it was who your guy had the best arm. And now the NFL's it's different. Now you have the best athletes playing quarterback, and it shouldn't be a problem that your quarterback can run. Obviously, you want your quarterback to be able to throw the ball, but you said it best. I want a quarterback who's a great passer that can still run. You want you have these 6'6", 350-pound defensive linemen who are fast now. These guys are running 5'4", 740s, like – they are not these big, slow guys that they used to be. And if your quarterback can't escape that and he can't move around in the pocket, it's going to hurt your team. And does he have to be 
the fastest guy in the league? Does he have to be Lamar Jackson? No. But does he have to be able to move? Yeah. You can't have the – like, Mac Jones is – he's different because he's not like – people look at Mac Jones and, oh, it's this big fat guy who can't move. He's not. He's a decent athlete. He's one of the best pocket presents coming out of the league in God knows how long. Uh, why do you think the Patriots thought so highly of him? He knows how to move around in the pocket, and he knows how to get around in the pocket, and that's just as valuable in a lot of cases as being able to move. Because if you, you could be all that fast in the world, but if you don't know how to move around in the pocket, you're going to get cracked, and you're going to fumble the ball, which is something Daniel Jones has done his whole career because he's yeah, not but, but, he, but But he's mobile. The problem is, is his passing, and that's what what happened when Josh Allen came into the league. He he looked like Daniel Jones, but to Josh Allen's credit, he worked a lot in the off season because with young quarterbacks, they usually have the problem of they don't make the right reads, but they're you know they they uh, they're accurate or they have good arm strength. With Josh Allen, it was the opposite. Uh, you know, it was it was it was more of he wasn't he, he had all the talent, but he just he wasn't making the right reads. And he worked on that in the offseason last year. And you saw a huge improvement. Let me switch gears, uh, Scott, to the Jets. Obviously, Zach Wilson, who I'm really high on. I absolutely love the kid. Uh, he showed a lot of moxie uh, last week after you know another guy who was running for his life uh, against Carolina. Um, you know, Sam Darnold had a decent game. Uh, I was happy for him. I, I, I think that Carolina is going to be a good place for him to grow and play. Uh, but I really like Zach Wilson. He has something. There's something about him that uh, I, I think he's going to do well in New York. I don't know if he's going to play up to the value of a number two pick, but he certainly uh, has something uh, that, you know, he, he got smacked around a lot. Uh, last week, especially that one sack where, you know, his head basically, you know, where he said after the game, he said, you know, he felt like he had whiplash. But uh, I was impressed by what I saw. What? How did you feel about what you saw from Zach Wilson last week, Scott? I think we saw some good. We saw some bad. It was interesting how he played in contrast to Sam Darnold, who just looked a lot more comfortable in the pocket. And it's not an indictment on Wilson. It's more about the, you know, you look at Sam Darnold, the Jets never put anything quality around him, and look how respectably he performed when he had a quality supporting cast. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson didn't have that. His one playmaker that he could depend on was Corey Davis. He has no running game. I don't know what the 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 Jets confound me. Like I thought, this new regime was supposed to be smarter than the last one, and they don't put their best running back on the field, Michael Carter, enough. I think they're going to learn that over time. I think what they're doing is, is in terms of they're going with the veterans because they're more comfortable with the veterans. Previous relationship with Tevin Coleman, Ty Johnson played. Michael Carter is your best playmaker. Get him on the field because he can help Zach Wilson. He can catch passes in space. He's dynamic. He can make things happen. Zach Wilson, I think he made a lot of the right reads, but he was under pressure a lot and when they lose their best offensive lineman that's not going to help but you know he was under pressure a lot and he he got a little skittish under pressure very often and also his accuracy was not there all the time you know he was throwing overthrowing people throwing balls at receivers feet but there was nobody to depend on him it's 
it's almost like it's improved, but it's the same story with Darnold. It's like they, they don't give this kid enough talent around him to help him succeed. It was more pronounced with Darnold, but it still existed. Turn of Jamison Crowder this week will make a difference. And fantasy-wise, I don't think a lot of people are rostering Jamison Crowder. They might want to because we saw how Jamison Crowder really performed admirably when nobody else was for the Jets last year and before. So I think Jamison Crowder being in the game for him is going to help because I don't think Elijah Moore is there yet as a slot receiver. Uh, you know, the two aren't able to connect on one or two big plays downfield. Zach Wilson, though, uh, he looked rattled under pressure. He kind of looked like a young Jared Goff in a way. Uh, his accuracy wasn't always there, but he didn't get rattled either, which, uh, you know, he just he came back and he kept attempting to keep the team in the game. But just like when you talk with Daniel Jones, uh, there's no running game. It, the, the, the Carolina front seven with Shaq Thompson was in the backfield constantly, constantly. Kevin Coleman's not going to threaten any defense. Ty Johnson seems to have more spark than him, but they got to get Michael Carter involved. I don't know what they're doing here. Well, you know, Jack and I are big Tevin Coleman's fans, so you better watch it, Scott. We love that guy. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm sorry. He's a fat Well, you know, because, you know, it's funny. Jack and I, when we went to uh, – when in Tevin Coleman's rookie season, uh, when he was with the Falcons, uh, you know, Jack and I are Falcons fans, so we went to uh, – really? Yeah, big time. Uh, Jack, what, was, uh, was it the Giant game or was it the Jet game? giant game where we met his mom is because we, we saw somebody wearing his number and we're like well that's weird i was like oh do you you know you like tevin she goes yeah that's my son so we had this great conversation with tevin coleman's mom when he was a rookie so we always have a little soft spot oh, okay uh, well that that's different i didn't yeah. realize that no we don't think he made that personal collect yeah no 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 we don't think he's you know uh, uh you know well i mean i i do think he can be a a a you know, an asset to an offense. Do I think he should, you know, be getting the majority of the reps? No, but uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, I, I do think that just my takeaway from, you know, and I don't know what, how Jack feels, but my takeaway from week one to the New York teams is that the giants have a long way to go and the jets looked a lot better than I expected them to. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think the jets look that good. Uh you know, they didn't look as laughable as they did last year. But I guess, you know, for using that as a marker, you admit, I guess we did look good. And about Tevin Coleman, you know, I, I'm just talking about him as a player. You know, I never try to disrespect the players as people. Uh, you know, that that's my thing. Uh, because, you know, you've you've had media access to, and, you know, these, these guys, you know, uh, you know, they're mm -hmm. I don't. You know, they make they make what we do possible. So I, I don't disrespect them like that. But I don't think that just from an overall objective perspective, I don't think the Jets look that good, uh, you know, especially on defense, you know, still prone to giving up the big play, et cetera. You know, really didn't get a lot of pressure on Darnold. You know, not a lot of play playmakers in the offense. I, I think they look mediocre. And the Jets being mediocre, <laughs> that's a step up from last year because yeah. – they were just absolute garbage. And the the big takeaway for me between these New York teams is that if they don't win the battle, if if either team can't win a battle in the trenches, 
they're not going to win games. If you are constantly getting your quarterback pressured and constantly getting him hit and you can't go after the other team's quarterback and you can't get after that quarterback, I mean, it's, it's going to be a long season for Jet and Giant fans. That's all I got to say. It's been, another, it's been another great episode on the Gotham Sports Machine. Thanks for coming on, Scott. Sure. I'm sure Thanks for can, having me. Yep. It's been, it's been great having you. I'm sure we'll check in later in the season, see how these Giants and Jets have uh, progressed, if they have at all. <laughs> all right, Scott. Great, great hearing your voice, man. You take care of yourself. All right. Always good to talk to you guys. And, uh, Jack, if you ever need anything, let me know. Sounds good. Thank you. All right, Mark. Um, you know, good continued luck with everything that you do, too. Same to you, my friend. All right. Take care.